welcome back to They Made Another One, where each week we study an often forgotten installment in a franchise and see how it holds up all on its own. I'm one of your hosts, Corey. And I'm your other host, Liam. And I am Dracula. Oh my god, Liam, did you, did you book him? I thought we were supposed to have Mitch on tonight, dude. I don't know what's going on. It sounds like we got, could you, sorry, could you just say your name one more time? Yeah, I might have misheard. Dracul. I think we got Dracul. Nah, from nah. The movie. I'm just kidding. My clever Elton John costume disguise. I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> I dressed, dressed as Elton John, dressed as Dracula. <laughs> well, that's pretty much what Gary Oldman looks like in this movie. <laughs> With the flexibility of Mrs. Incredible. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yes, Mitch, you're back. You signed up for this one. Uh, you were ready to go last week. We finished up the island of Doctor Moreau, and we got handed a pretty, uh, a pretty exciting film to watch. We got hit with um. 1992's Francis Ford Coppola's Bram Stoker's Dracula. Out of apostrophes. Yeah, it's a very, it's an indulgent title, which frankly I'm all about. I'm actually upset with Letterboxd that it just says Dracula. Yeah, that's weird. I noticed that too, and that's a... What, did they lose the rights to Bram Stoker? (laughs) Yeah, Bram Stoker's estate was like, yeah, Letterboxd, fuck you. (laughs) This movie doesn't look like something Bram, as we call him because he's family or he was would have done (laughs) yeah super weird so this is like you ever like get presented you ever get like a project at school and the list of demands being made of you is so big and extensive that you don't know where to start hmm i suppose i do Corey. i needed some kind of example all i'm saying is there's a lot i don't know where to start this conversation there's eight million things that could theoretically start this conversation. Um, start with Dracul. Start with Dracul. <laughs> well, I'm going to start with Dracula, our good friend that we all like. And uh, I'm going to ping this off you guys. How you guys feel about Dracula? I mean, you got to take it, Mitch. That's your guy. Me? Okay, alright, I'll start. Um, what do you mean, me? <laughs> did, you, did you hear the last three minutes of podcast? Well, I'm... Anyway, okay, I'll start. Um, <laughs> like, like, you know, like Dracula would do. I'm gonna take charge like Dracula. Okay, so, um, pretty much, what did I think? Like, I think there's a lot to like in this movie, like the last Whoa, movie. whoa, 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 too fast, too fast, too fast. Okay, okay, I'll back What up. do you think about Dracula? The, like, the, oh, the character? Or oh, the yeah. character yeah. Or the, yeah. We're not at the movie yet. We're not at Bram Stoker's Dracula just What yet. do you think about Dracula? Oh, I love Dracula. What What's your cultural experience with Dracula? I love his breakfast cereal. Um, but, oh, dude. Uh, yes. <laughs> so, um, no, I mean, I, I've read the book. I've seen a bunch of the films. I think it's like a really great uh, filmic tradition with... I don't know, roots and all sorts of great costuming and makeup and, and the grotesque. So I don't know. I, I, there's there's a lot to love about the filmic interpretations of Dracula and like, you know, the old like sort of um, sort of. Do you have a favorite? Gothic source. Do I have a favorite? Um, 
Are you uh, an OG, like, Bela Lugosi guy? I like, the, I like the one by Todd Browning from the 30s, like the Bela Lugosi one. I really I really, yeah. I really, do like that one, but I like it with the soundtrack by Philip Glass from the 80s. That's, uh, that's did the, you the, see, the way to go. Did you ever see the Spanish one? Yes. That is allegedly better? The camera movements are more impressive, but it doesn't have Lugosi's um, presence. Lugosiness. Yeah. But the camera movements are, are pretty dope in that one from the from the floor. And then what about, like... Uh, how do you feel about like Hammer Dracula with Christopher Lee? I don't know. I mean, I, honestly, I don't really care for them. I've, I've watched them. <laughs> I've watched so many of them, but I'm not. I'm not so fussy about those ones. I, I think, yeah, I think the one from the 30s is kind of like the goat. And so, and you've read the book too. Then, yeah. how do you feel about the book? I like the book. Also, Murnau's one from the 20s. Like that one's pretty great. Right. Was uh, the book like you were in school and they were like, hey, read about vampires? No, all no. The ki- all the kids love Twilight right now, so we're going to make you read Bram Stoker's Dracula. No, I read it on my own like volition. I used to I used to love like um, like haunted houses and sort of like <laughs> those like classic <laughs> tales. I read it I read it like way before like we even like read like Frankenstein in school or anything like that. Like I just sort of read it cuz I was interested in the in the subject matter. But it's great. I think. I think also. Um, I think my other favorite film like adap- film adaptation of this would definitely be um, like Herzog's Nosferatu from the seventies. That's a really okay, yeah. really good one. I love that. We love some Dracul. Dracul. I love. There Dracula. it is. I'm so glad to God. be here. We're gonna use that in like eight hundred future episodes. <laughs> I'm just gonna find places to put that because it's so funny. Liam, you like scary things. Yeah. What about vampires and Dracul? Uh, Which I'm purposely saying without an accent. (laughs) Dracul. Dracul. um, (laughs) Because growing up, I was never. Yeah, Dracul. We're gonna fight you with guns. Sounds like a refreshing, like, like, like summer backyard drink. Crack open a nice cold can of Dracul. (laughs) Yum yum. Sorry, sorry, Liam. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So when <laughs> when it comes to Doctor Acula, he always kind of felt like a uh, like a cliche to me, um, because I saw him referenced in so many things. But as a kid, I I was never introduced to uh you know Universal monster movies, or um I I was I never sought those movies out. I was much more of a modern day dude, and so um. I never experienced those older movies. Um, And so all my vampire and all my Dracula knowledge came from references elsewhere. And so it's just the stuff that's been like imitated and, and joked about. So my Dracula knowledge is actually really, really shallow. Um, And even when it comes to vampires, they've never been one of my favorite monsters. Like I'm a huge Buffy the Vampire Slayer fan, the show. Um, and but... she hates vampires. <laughs> That's right. And I'm kind of on her side. <laughs> um, <laughs> the the vampire thing just never quite interested me. I mean, there's obviously, there's there's uh, there's a whole lot of exceptions of vampire-based movies that I love. Like I think uh, Let the Right One In is a top five horror movie for me. Um, what We Do in the Shadows is really funny. Uh, I've talked about the Transfiguration before, which is like uh, modern day Martin, which is like bordering on a vampire film, but you know, not quite. Um, Vampire's Kiss, starring Nicolas Cage, again, not quite a vampire movie. <laughs> so when it comes to just like taking vampires seriously, um, I've I've sort of been more interested in the fringe films. Uh, you got? Did you guys ever see the, like the Little Vampire from the '90s, starring the kid from Stuart Little? 
That's the little vampire cool. on the prairie. <laughs> Damn you. That sounds very I didn't familiar. see that. <laughs> no, I don't know what that is. Oh, man. It's about, it's about a physically small vampire. It is, yeah. just popped into my head. Anyway, um, I'm... I'm, I'm the big vampire films that stick out to me are like the fringe vampire movies. Like even let the right one in is like, it's a vampire movie, but more than that, it's just about some kids and one of them kind of happens to be a vampire. Um, the deepest into the vampire thing I'd say I've gotten, um, is Nosferatu, which I have seen. Um, I sought that one out a few years ago just cause I was, uh, I guess I realized that I had that blind spot. I wanted to get started somewhere. And so I started with Nosferatu. Um, and beyond that, you know, gothic fiction has never really been my thing. Period pieces, not my thing. And so whenever I think of Dracula, uh, specifically, like the man himself, it just kind of always seemed boring to me. And so I never checked it out. Though I have had this movie, specifically Bram Stoker's Dracula, on my watch list for a couple years now because I really like Keanu Reeves. I like Winona Ryder. Um, (laughs) The cast is truly just wacko bananas out of this world. Totally. And the fact that it came out in 1992, like um, as ignorant as it is, like interests me more than a movie that came out in the 30s. So I was excited to see this one. As ignorant as it is. Yeah. What does that mean? What's I can't that? wait to figure out what that means. I don't know what you mean by that at all. Need- <laughs> cool. Like I'm like uh, ignorantly ignoring past movies. Oh, got it. I thought you meant like it was like culturally insensitive or something. Oh. Even for 1992. And I was like, wow, what does that mean? But alas. <laughs> no, I'm the one being ignorant by not seeking out older movies. Um, <laughs> I mean, it punctuate like every two minutes with a nice hot off the presses. Because <laughs> I'm fine with it. So I have not read Dracula. I have seen but a small number of Dracula films. And, um, you know, I don't know the deep lore. I don't know this guy's deal. Well, like, I do, but in, like, that cultural osmosis sort of way that you find out about anything that's existed for, like, 200 years, like, eventually you just sort of end up hearing about it. Um, and you find out, oh, Dracula uh, is, like, a, a very horny guy who can turn into mist and also rats and a wolf and a werewolf, I guess, and bats and a Batman. And, uh, you know, you just sort of figure those things out like everyone does growing up. But generally speaking, you know, I was prepared for this to be like my definitive Dracula experience. And um, my actual relationship to this movie specifically is um, I don't remember what this commercial was for. Uh, but when I was a kid, I watched G4 a lot, like the video game TV channel. And uh, there was this commercial that always played that I now recognize uh, is two excerpted shots from this movie. Welcome it's to like, my home. No, it's old, decrepit, fucked up Gary Oldman with a lantern, like laughing and just hooting and hollering. And then it cuts to when Keanu Reeves is just screaming in that like weird close up. Those two shots played next to each other. And I didn't know what it meant or what it was from or what it was for. And it just scared me because I was a child. Um, so that was my closest connection to this movie. Well, um, Corey, it was on my watch list forever, too. But 
you know, never got to it. Um, the reason I say welcome to my home is because BBC Kids had a very similar bumper. Um, it would play a commercial uh, in the early 2000s that had Gary Oldman's Dracula saying welcome to my home and then Keanu Reeves screaming. So that's how I knew about this movie was those excerpts. Weird. Yeah. Well, I don't also, know. I feel like I feel like this movie is probably only going to scare kids and, and that's about it. <laughs> but, yeah, it's not scary. No. Anyway. I'm going to give that classic cast and crew rundown. I've done something special for this one. I have added a few credits that we don't typically shout out um, because I felt they were important to the overall like feel of the movie. And I'm going to try to do this fast because like this movie has three editors and I added several other people. So I'm going to try to not belabor it too much. Obviously, Frank is in the driver's seat. Francis Ford Coppola. We love him. You know him. (laughs) Big fan all around. <laughs> Don't laugh at me. Then we've got James V. Hart did the screenplay based on Bram Stoker's book. He also did um Hook, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, Contact, Sahara, and August Rush. Some choice cuts. Oh, all God. very, very different from what what August, nerve. August Rush. Oh my <laughs> gosh. I knew that was gonna get somebody, which is why I included it. Oh, man, what a fall from grace that guy has. (laughs) Yeah, but Sahara goes hard. So, like, pros and cons. Um, Three editors. Anne Gorso, who did The Outsiders, and for Mitch, The Two Jakes. Oh, nice. And then, uh, yeah, Glenn Scantlebury, who, Liam, we've talked about several times. He edited 2010's A Nightmare on Elm Street and 2003's Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Damn, Glenn, let's go. And also Transformers. I dig it. That's really cool. uh, Nicholas C. Smith, the third editor. And I'm not surprised this movie needed three editors. Um, It looks like it had three. Brave and the Secret of Nim 2. Cinematography by uh, the color of money's Michael Ballhouse. (laughs) So we have all talked about him before. The composer is uh, Wojesh Kilar. And there's no way in hell I said that correctly. Not even a little bit. Production designer was Thomas E. Sanders, uh, who did Braveheart, Saving Private Ryan, Mission Impossible 2. So he gets around. Andrew Precht, who did uh, Misery, The Abyss, and Legends of the Fall. He's the art director. Uh, The set decorator was Garrett Lewis. He also worked on Hook uh, and Misery, uh, did Face Off, and uh, the Star Wars Holiday Special. Oh, Christ. And um, the costume designer was uh, Eiko Ishioka, who Mitch might know that name. I'm going to check. Do you know who that is? Uh, no, no. What, should I? She is the production designer for Mishima, A Life in Four Chapters. Oh, shit. What do you know? Yeah. <laughs> fun connection. Yeah. And um, that's I wanted to include those because they felt important to the overall look of this movie because the look of the movie is fucking wild. Yeah, I mean, so like, speaking of the look, I mean, your Michael Ballhouse comparison to The Age of Innocence, I mean, he did that too. So, I mean, it's, you're really going full circle here. I mean, <laughs> I'm doing my best. You're doing a good job. Keep going. And so then we've got the cast, um, which is full of people that I didn't even initially recognize were in this movie. Uh, but of course, Gary Oldman is... Uh, Thank you, Mitch. Uh, Keanu Reeves is Jonathan Harker. Winona Ryder is Mina Harker, and also Elizabetta. <laughs> um, Anthony Hopkins is Hel- Van Helsing. Richard E. Grant is uh, Doctor Jack Seward. 
Carrie Elways, as mentioned, is Lord Arthur Holmwood. Uh, Billy Campbell is the Texan, Quincy P. Morris, who I thought I knew him from something. He's the Rocketeer. That's where I knew him from. So if anybody saw that, he's back in full force. Sadie Frost is uh, Lucy, which is Winona Ryder's friend. Uh, Renfield is Tom fucking Waits, which uh, is wild. I did not recognize that that's who that was. Um, And then we've got uh, what in the credits are described as Dracula's Brides. Um, Florina Kendrick, Michaela Bearshoe, and Monica Bellucci. <laughs> and uh, last but not least, Jay Robinson is Mr. Hawkins. What a cast! Unbelievable that all you got all of those people in one movie. It Truly, is, it is wild. It makes sense though that they're uh, you, you know, you got a big director at the helm of such a giant property. All these people are probably just going to be so excited to get together and work on that story and work with each other and get dressed yeah. up in all sorts of cool costumes and stuff. You know what's crazy? How much do you think this movie cost based on how it looks? Man, I would say Just like all park it. 40 million. Mitch, what about you? I think that's low. I would say well, it came out in the 90s. Um like 50 or 60? Liam got it right on the money, actually. 40. But I was expecting people to overshoot because I think it looks very expensive. However, Mitch has a point. It was 1992. Right. <laughs> so that was expensive for 1992. Um, what did you guys know about this movie in particular before today? Or not today, but whenever you watched it? Hmm. I knew uh, the main players... Uh, the the main three really. Um, I knew that it was um, taken place uh, in the 19th century, so it wasn't modernized. And maybe just because of the title, I figured it'd be a pretty faithful adaptation. Of which I like, I won't even know if that's true because I haven't read the book. I knew what Dracula looked like because I was familiar with those commercials from back in the day bbc kids what up um but for the longest time i didn't know that that was dracula in that excerpt probably the same as you Corey. like it was just this weird man and then another weird man yeah. screaming and he doesn't look like what i knew dracula to be based on all the jokes and references you know it's like he doesn't look like the dracula and monster squad and so when i learned that was dracula i was like what the fuck um, i know me too and also like <laughs> I didn't even know there was going to be a young Dracula. Yes. I was I, like, Gary Oldman just committed to being like in prosthetics and makeup and shit. But no. I'm with you there. I didn't know that as well. And He's I, here and he's hot. And I'm so lost on what the actual Dracula story is. Like besides the mythology of the general character, I didn't, I don't know who the extra characters are. Like as in, I don't know who, who Keanu and Winona are. I don't know their relation to Dracula. I don't know where the story is going to go. So I, I knew very little about this. And Mitch, I guess you, you were pretty Dracula aware at this point. Yeah, I would say so. I mean, I, this, I had actually like started this movie, but I never bothered to finish it um, a few years ago. And I, it's always sort of stood out as kind of an oddity in, in Coppola's career, but so much of his, of his light, later career kind of is. 
Um, and yeah, I, his I, whole the whole back half of his career is just wild. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And uh, I I had known that Tom Waits was in it because I went down a rabbit hole of watching Tom Waits movies after I had seen Down by Law, which is a wonderful film. Um, so I wanted to see more of his acting, and so I knew that this was there, and so it was one that I had wanted to to sort of check out for a while because Tom Waits playing the role of Renfield, which is, you know, the classic madman. Yeah. Seemed like pretty a, like, inspired like a, casting. Yeah, like... like a stroke of genius. So it was like, it was one that I, that I had sort of wanted to see for a while, but I, I admittedly, I stopped watching it years ago and we can touch on that maybe later, but um, yeah, it's been on my radar for years and I kind of, I've, I've, I love watching with the different Dracula adaptations and, and this one has always sort of, stood out as a really sort of high budget sort of star spangled example from the nineties of, you know, when it was, when blockbusters were kind of made differently. Yeah. And, and it's uh, so, yeah. I think a word we're going to use a lot is ex- excess. Definitely. It's a very excessive film, oh, yeah. but like not in a contemporary sense of like, it's excessive because your scope can be infinite and everything is exploding, but it's like opulent. Mm-hmm. It's bougie as fuck. Different kind in of, a really fun way. Different kind of blockbuster sensibility. Like it's you can tell like it looks way more expensive than forty million, but Yeah, it, totally. Yeah, quite a quite a film. That was a good I, I, and it's it's crazy too, because I bet they saved money doing the the effects the way they did, because they're all in camera. But it makes it look more expensive. Mm-hmm. But it was probably cheaper. Well, I think it's, there's a there's a there's a tremendous use of like uh, they use a bit of CGI, but like it's mostly I think like miniatures, really. Um, yeah. Well, the reading that I did is that there there are no effects that could not be done in camera. Okay, I didn't know that. Some of it kind of looks like CG, but <laughs> I guess yeah, I, I guess that's true. I, I don't know the how they necessarily managed that. Yeah, I think I it's just it's just the blue mist that we see near the end. Um, yeah. that mist circling that's the only cg effect and besides that it was just uh clever editing miniatures superimposing shots stuff like yeah. that sort of a more classic style that's like the one of the things that i really took away like especially like if you look at, at how they edit the montages i think the montage sequences like especially like the introduction sequence looks like moody as hell yeah what that, a fucking yeah like i think i think like, what a preamble yeah holy hell but so it's definitely sort of cut from an older cloth an older sort of storytelling tradition so there's there's a lot that i really love about this movie and that's one thing yeah um for anybody who doesn't know what dracula is about uh here's a quick rundown so uh in 1462 we have dracula he right. is a devout christian <laughs> That's the most important thing to know about Dracula. <laughs> he uh, he is off fighting a war and um, against the Turks, and the Turks fire an arrow into his house uh, where his wife lives. That he he's a wife guy. He loves his wife a lot, and um, they trick her into thinking he died, and then she commits suicide out of pure grief. And then the priest who sees to that whole issue says that now his wife's soul is damned to hell for that and in a fit of anger he renounces god stabs a crucifix starts drinking blood and like says he's gonna avenge his wife with evil powers uh and everything starts pouring blood and shit pops off and then we skip like 400 years yeah it's the 15th 
And um, the 15th century was a wild time. Yeah, <laughs> so <laughs> over dramatic. Stuff could just start bleeding. It didn't even need to have blood in there. It's fucking crazy. Put that and in. so then we fast forward, and uh, Keanu Reeves is like a real estate agent, and um, he has been uh, tasked by his boss with going to sort out uh, Dracula's the places he's buying in london uh because the guy who was sent to do him before that renfield played by tom waits went crazy uh blah 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 keanu reeves is also a wife guy he loves his wife or they're gonna get married but you know he loves winona Ryder. you get it and um then he gets to dracula he gets captured by dracula dracula discovers that his wife looks like dracula's dead wife and he is convinced that he needs to go find her and they are like destined to be together um etc etc dracula starts killing people blah 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 van helsing gets involved etc etc the end we'll get to it i'm not going to sit here and explain the whole thing we'd be here for like 25 minutes That is the gist of what's happening. I think some of that was word for word from the book. (laughs) That Bram Stoker had a a way of writing. The real estate estate agent. That part. (laughs) Directly from the text. Um, It's more or less true. I mean, he's there on on the biz in the book. But yeah. Yeah. And so that's sort of the deal. Winona Ryder's got a really horny friend uh, who becomes a vampire. Your quote unquote. My rich friend. <laughs> <laughs> my my bougie friend, Lucy, uh, who is like, I'm going to court a doctor, a rich guy, and a man from Texas all at the same time. Yeah. Because fuck it, who cares? Um, anyway, there's a lot to get to here. So, Mitch, about 20 minutes ago or so, you wanted to say how you felt about this film. But before we do that, you said that you had predictions for how you think we think we will feel about this film so first say who you think will or won't like it and then tell us your thoughts i think liam definitely loved it like i think i think like liam probably liam probably like ate the shit up out of francis's hand um (laughs) but i think i think you probably also loved it i think you probably loved the excess of it but i feel perhaps like me you might have some problems with it, but I feel like even though those problems exist, you still largely enjoyed it and liked it. Whereas I like, I'm going to say I liked it. I liked a lot of things about it, but I don't necessarily like love this movie. I think it's, it's not my favorite Dracula adaptation by a long shot. Okay, cool. Liam, were you eating this out of Francis's hand? Well, it's funny. <laughs> it, it's it's funny that you use that figure of speech, Mitch, that I ate it out of his hand because I was thinking um, that this movie, to me, was sort of like a big, big stack of pancakes. And I've I've said this sort of thing on the podcast before, <laughs> but I'm gonna t- I'm gonna take it a bit farther. This isn't exactly How the way I've talked about it. Are you right, eating pancakes from his hand? <laughs> <laughs> so this movie is like eating a bunch of pancakes out of Francis Ford Coppola's hand. I'm glad you weren't eating it from his neck, like. <laughs> All right, so and I'm talking a big stack of pancakes. This isn't like three or four stacks. It's like a dozen. Yeah, like a dozen pancakes. All right, so the movie is the pancakes, and I start eating, 
and I was really digging it at the beginning. I was like, these bites are amazing. <laughs> there's so much, there's so much cool looking stuff happening. I got my boy Keanu. I love the sets. I love the darkness. Um, I'm into it. And then it's, it's a fucking big stack of pancakes, right? So it just keeps going. So once I'm like, I, I, maybe a third into that stack, certainly about a halfway into the stack. I was like, man, I'm kind of, I don't know if I'm vibing with this stack anymore. I mean, there's just so much going on. It's, 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 it might just be, it might just be too much for me. And, uh, the stack of pancakes is still there though. And I don't got anywhere to go. So I, kind of <laughs> i'm being held at gunpoint enough to finish eating these pancakes <laughs> that's right so maybe maybe i sit back for a bit and i'm not mucking the pancakes like like i am like i'm held at gunpoint but the pancakes are still there in front of me and uh eventually i look at the stack of pancakes and i go eh, i might as well try again i mean the pancakes are still here after all it's still happening in front of me and so I start eating the pancakes again, and I get a second wind. And I'm like, holy shit, these pancakes are doing it for me again. This is <laughs> this is really cool. In fact, I like these last few bites so much that I bet I, uh, I was just um, in a bad state of mind halfway through that stack of pancakes. And I bet if I were to eat another big stack again, I bet I would like it more because I know where I stand now with these pancakes. And so... Um, if you follow me, I'm saying that this movie was really cool at the beginning. Middle has some stuff in there that I don't quite vibe with. And that stuff extends to the beginning and the end as well. I don't think the divide is super clear. Um, like these, this, these pancakes that I'm eating, they're not different flavors or anything. Like it's just flour and eggs and like milk all the way through and so um the stuff <laughs> this, this that i movie is cohesive in its excess that's right yes yeah. these so, are red so... velvet pancakes like these are, <laughs> these are like yes <laughs> as decadent as they get <laughs> yes and the stuff that i don't like in the middle like that stuff is there at the beginning and the end as well and so there are just things about these pancakes i don't really like but still there's like something there's something in that mix maybe it is the red velvet uh uh, extra right. or whatever right <laughs> yeah um, <laughs> that just like it kind of has me thinking i'm it's it's been a day now and i'm still kind of thinking about that stack of pancakes and so uh this movie i think i'm probably in a similar boat to you mitch i mean i'm babbling on a lot but i'd say that as of right now i like this movie i don't love it <laughs> you're but... in dracula's magical boat <laughs> but um i want to see it again in my lifetime and i think i could probably take my love for it further i think yeah. you know if, about... if, I ran, if i ran into gary oldman at an ihop i'd definitely have some <laughs> pancakes with him <laughs> you'd, you'd, you'd you'd go into the ihop and he'd, he'd be like welcome to my house of pancakes <laughs> he has to he he has to be invited into the ihop so actually you're in the ihop and then dracula arrives at the ihop and you're like yeah come into my into my ihop I never, I never drink all you can drink coffee. <laughs> Come into my international home. <laughs> my international home of pancakes. Um, fuck, man. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, I, <laughs> I don't, um, I love this movie. Interesting. However, similarly to you both, um, 
I don't know if I like it, but I do love it. If that makes sense. Like you, uh, um, you man. Okay, that's fair. That sounds pretty damning, man. When my parents said that to me, I was pretty bummed for like a weekend. <laughs> for like a weekend. That might not even be the best like phrasing to use. Because even in my notes, I was struggling to adequately describe how I was feeling about the movie. But I was like, I was locked the fuck in the whole time. Hmm. And just every single thing that happened, I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa whoa crazy shit all the time look at this it's crazy <laughs> and um i think i'm still trying to come to grips with that um there's definitely some weak elements to the movie but i think they sort of play into the movie's hands a little bit which is like the hands oh. holding the pancakes <laughs> it plays into the pancakes a little bit um francis ford's big sticky hands <laughs> <laughs> but um <laughs> I don't know. I maybe I do like it and love it. I don't know. I love it though. It's uh, incredible. It's it's such an experience to bold. Yeah, no, I didn't I honestly my notes are kinda like they get kind garbage. of they get Mine kind are of, garbage. Well I wrote I wrote them in the dark, so they're kind of illegible, but um <laughs> yeah, they they get kind of angry near the end. Um just, Wait, before you elaborate, I have a question. You both watched this movie with other people, correct? Yes. Yeah. Did they like it? No. <laughs> <laughs> she no, didn't like no, it. She didn't. She didn't like it at all. No. Uh, did and, Brianna like it, Liam? Yes, and she has read the <laughs> book, so she was she was impressed that it was pretty pretty faithful to the book. She liked uh, it. It is and it isn't. It's true. There there well, are some I, pretty strong deviations, <laughs> but but she. Uh, she, I went she likes ask, the story, so she was just cool. I went to go ask Keiki about that, and he's like, well, the only Dracula I've seen is the Winnipeg Ballet an adaptation of it, which doesn't have any dialogue, <laughs> so I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> I love that. So, so we tried to have a conversation based on that. And so, but Mitch, then, then Abigail didn't like it. No, she didn't. Huh. We almost need her on here more than us. She's the one with the divergent. Oh, she, she had. Well, I mean, honestly, like my opinion would probably be closer to hers. Um, I think that this movie, I think this entire movie feels like it's framed and set up and written and acted and scripted from a distance. Like it's, I don't think that it it, it captures like the, the people or the characters or the motivations particularly well. And I found I didn't really care. And in the end. There's no emotional consequence, or uh, the emotional consequences didn't really. Like, I was <laughs> baffled by the ending. Do we want to start there and work backwards? Oh, we could. We could, yeah. I just feel like we've brought it up enough that, like, whatever emotional stakes did exist by that point, just sort of go away. <laughs> Mm-hmm. With with the ending, well, it's just like and everybody the, like, died. lifting of this curse. Everybody was like, die? "I knew the Texan was gonna die." He, except he, for he, except for Dracula, Dracula. Well, he is, but like in a good way. <laughs> <laughs> the Texan is not in the book, by the way. No, oh, he's not. No, shit. I don't think he is. It's, I haven't read that book in like five years, but I don't think he's in it. I'll check. Cool. I got time. Yeah, keep talking. Delete this if he's not. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> or if he is. Um, but that's so funny. But yeah. Um, where was I going with this? Yeah. So it's not. It's not like the most like faithful. I don't know. Like it's. I don't think it really captures like the ending. Like in the. Also, there's that atrocious fucking map. He is in the book. Is he? 
Yes. Okay, delete that. Actually, the Harkers named their son Quincy in honor of his death. I don't remember any of that, and I've read the book. <laughs> okay. Honestly, totally forgettable character in the book. Um, but what a fucking icon in this movie. I thought he's in the book. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> maybe, maybe you got the Texan omitted version. <laughs> You didn't get the director's cut. You got the 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 Civil War Northern Edition. It was the King James Edition. (laughs) Um, (laughs) It was the Prince Vlad Edition. (laughs) The uh, Dracul Clan translation. Um. Yeah. Okay. So. Okay. Um. I genuinely don't know where to start. Yeah, that was um, a real filibuster. Um, <laughs> um, I mean, oh boy, do you want to? Do you guys want to tackle this like the movie chronologically, or do you want to tackle aspects of the movie? I think aspects are more safe because I have more. I have more nice things to say. I feel like, like it, like I said, like it is a classic story. It does deviate, yeah, but it's kind of chaos. Yeah, so that would be difficult. I mean, just read the. Like read the book or watch another Dracula film, and you kind of know, you kind of know like the general arc. Apparently, there's a Texan in the, uh, <laughs> but, but in the Yeehaw edition of the book that yeah. you didn't read. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, um, I feel like I feel like we don't really need to go into that because like it's been around for like two hundred years. It's been adapted so many times. We don't need to tell you about like he goes to the Borgo Pass and the Christian people give him a cross and ding, 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 ding. Like we don't, we don't need that. Uh, <laughs> and then, he, and then he doesn't show up in the mirror. Like we don't, we don't need that. So. And ooh, spooky. <laughs> yeah. So we don't need that. Let's get this guys. Okay. Dracula reveals himself to be a fucking vampire. <laughs> what? <laughs> Holy shit. I didn't even, I watched this whole fucking movie. Didn't notice once he was a vampire, <laughs> a werewolf. Maybe, but <laughs> maybe he's hairy. When was the last time you saw a hairy vampire? I saw Twilight. You kidding? <laughs> Bald is a cue ball. <laughs> I thought he was just a senior citizen with really, um, just like unusual grooming habits. Look at those well, fingernails and look at that dude. He's, that- he's, he, his fingernails are like that so he can play guitar. Well, he's wearing a hot cross <laughs> bun on his head too. That's what John he's thought in, he's as in well. A, <laughs> a giant velvet cape. Hot he can cross. he can telecommute telepathically communicate with doors. One a penny, two a penny, hot cross bun. <laughs> okay, hold on. <laughs> okay, performances first. How do we feel about that? Let's save the. Oh for my later. god, that I sounds, hate it. I fucking hate good. Keanu Reeves in this movie. I thought well, Keanu Reeves, who I it. love, we're doing Keanu it, everybody. Reeves, Keanu Reeves, who I love. Is maybe the most miscast person of all time. He is more stiff than his starch shirts in this movie. Like he is, <laughs> he is impossible. Like I want to throw him down the crevasse before going. His past. accent was oh. making my hair turn gray. And honestly, like Winona Ryder is is not much better, and that's because I think the script is kind of garbage. But um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're not really giving her a lot. No, she is she is girl. Yeah, that's she, her whole. She is girl, thing. and they're gonna put in a scene where she kisses the other girl, and it's gonna be a bit of a male gaze yarn, and it's not gonna like, <laughs> it's, it's, a male gaze yarn. It's not gonna work. Um, no, it's very transparently that. Yeah, and um, yeah. Okay, so first of all, Liam, how do you feel about Keanu Reeves? 
Oh, man. You, you uh, haven't said anything yet. Sure. Okay, I'll just remind you guys and everyone listening quick that Corey and I reviewed um, Keanu, Keanu Reeves, Reeves as a person. In, in Knock oh. Knock, we talked about him, a performance that many people have called wooden and stiff and, and not good. And I really like his performance in that movie. So, man, was I hoping I could I could back up my boy Keanu in this movie, but I can't. I can't do it. Uh, I like I like looking at him and like just knowing that he was in the movie. It gave me like a bit of spring in my step and seeing him on screen, like on a frame by frame basis. I was like, OK, I'm, I'm here with friends. I dig it. But whenever he would talk or like have to respond to something um, uh, like just like, you know, silently um, do the whole acting thing with his face. It it, it didn't come out <laughs> well, particular, particularly when oh, he's talking, when he has to act, it sucks. It just like it. <laughs> it sounds like he is Ted from Bill and Ted, but like like doing a bit Um it i you are not the first person to say that, actually. Like, I'm sure the I'm time sure I'm like, not. somebody said uh, it sounded like he's trying to not end all of his lines with dude. <laughs> yeah, I I would I would stand by that, man. It's like I don't know where I come down on it because I like Keanu enough that um it I think you could have cast someone in this movie that was a bit better, but who I just have less of a fondness for and it wouldn't do much more for the movie because coming away from it, I I agree with Mitch as well that Winona Ryder, whom I also love, doesn't have as much to do, isn't much better. And so I just think the script really isn't doing them any favors. And so I think that if we had someone different than Keanu who maybe had a bit more loosey-goosey baby to him i don't think it would do that much for the movie because i just don't think the writing is there so i i'm okay with keanu being in this movie um just because i don't think he's the only he's the big weak link in in regards to the whole thing but i i can't stand behind the performance either oh man bro oh i have offended you with my ignorance count forgive me bro (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's just I'm sorry, Dracul. Are we still good? Yeah, he's and then he air guitars. And honestly, like, this movie is <laughs> this movie is full of sex scenes and all of them are terrible. Uh that's the <laughs> Didn't get me off once. Uh, all the all the sex scenes you could possibly like imagine, imagine. Movie, and they're all awful. Um what else? Like I hated honestly like I feel like the script just doesn't do anybody any favors. Like I I'm bored watching Anthony Hopkins. I'm bored watching I'm I'm bored watching um I think Richard E's doing a really good job with some really uh like heavy-handed exposition like talking to Renfield. Ding 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 ding. I think Richard E is doing He's doing the best he can and Richard E is one of my favorites, but um yeah, it's just like you're you're really not giving them anything. And it's no with no. With no and yeah, he's no with no in this. That's all. <laughs> all he's, he's jamming some things up his arms, but I mean, he's, he's no with no. Um, um, yeah, I, it's it's tough because I like all of this conceptually. Same. And like the atmosphere is incredible, but if you get down to like analyzing what is actually happening in front of you and not how it looks the weaknesses of the movie become apparent um and no actor is saving it 
Yeah. Um, I think you really have to just get over that early. And if you can just be like, okay, this is not, this is not an actor's movie necessarily. I personally, I do enjoy, um, Anthony Hopkins quite a bit. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm I'm with you there, Corey. Yeah. He's kind of like just sort of a wily dude. He's kind of all over the place. Um, in a way that I find kind of endearing. And I, I love the novelty of a random guy from Texas and cheetah print being there. I think that's very funny. Yeah. Um, but (laughs) I hate hate when I had to find out that guy existed. (laughs) Um, and he wears fringe though. Think, think about all the fringe. Um, but yeah, it's, it, I don't, (laughs) I don't know how to like, quantify any of that because it feels very much secondary to like the look in a way that i feel like francis ward coppola didn't really give a shit about the acting or that was all like the weirdness is is intentional but that feels like it's that's a charitable take yeah and you said you said earlier that you know if you focus on the look of the film it's not it's it's more about a film about the look but less so about the acting but i feel even the look is kind of inconsistent especially in the middle like you've got like the monster beast cameras. I feel like unlike the rest of of Coppola's um, late Coppola's earlier films, I think are timeless. Like you could you couldn't necessarily tell when they were made. They kind of they've aged like phenomenally well. Whereas this one, I I'm just like wow, like this is really a product of of 1992. Um, like it, I I just think a lot of the directorial decisions were not as like as um, like measured as as. Uh, Do you have an example? Films. Um, sure. I think, I think that it, this film has a lot of fat. Like, I think it, it really shows that it's made with like three different editors. Cause it feels like you have almost like in a lot of ways, like too many cooks in the kitchen, too many different ideas, um, and sort of dramatic mood shifts halfway through with how things are handled. Um, like you've got like this sort of like classical sort of portentous style in the, in the early half that's doing pretty well and then it, it sort of goes on all the, these detours and I, I don't think that it that it works um, I mean detours like stylistically like parts of this feel like they're from I don't even know like Vampire Bloodlines the Masquerade or something <laughs> like, <laughs> like these editing sequences um, but it's just like really like it, it dips into 90s cheese and away from like the gothic source material very um willingly and i don't think it works and i don't think that com- compared to coppola's other films it is not like a timeless work it's very much a product of its time i don't know if i totally agree with that only because i think i think about the the way it goes about doing its effects in particular and how other movies were not doing that at that point. And I think that's like a feather in its cap, if nothing else. For sure. It differentiates it in like a pretty meaningful way. Um, it's also just hard to get over like how like the melodramatic nature of it's really charming to me. Like how theatrical everything is and how over the top everything feels. But that does create a weird sense of like detachment from it and like we said the script is just nothing like it's not building to any like meaningful sort of uh attachment to the characters at all um so that's tough like this is <laughs> douglas cirque this is not <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. to give my one melodramatic touch point 
in film, it's that guy. Sick. I feel like the more I think about it, the easier it is to find stuff that I don't think is good. But as an overall viewing package, I wasn't noticing any of this because I was too swept up in how just fucking wild everything is. So if nothing else, it does a good job of making you focus on the sum of its parts rather than the intricacies of those details. Hmm. Interesting. I'm, I'm just thinking about where I stand on that. It's a good point, Corey. Yeah, like you want you like it's typically good when something is more than the sum of its parts. I don't think this movie is, but that sum is pretty good. I think it's got a lot of unfortunate parts in it, and I'm not sure if it's gonna be uh like a I don't know if we're gonna have a great cocktail here. Like like it's like like it's uh there are... you didn't love it when Dracula's shadow was choking Keanu Reeves? No. On the wall? No. Um, and I, I actually did love that. That was hilarious. <laughs> but it does feel like totally very weird. Yeah, like it's all over the map. Um, well, let's see if this helps us at all. Um, let's see what the critics had to say. Get a quick sense of that and see if it spurs any thoughts. Uh, so I'm going to do uh, what I always do if I need to reference a critic and talk about Roger Ebert. Because he's, kind of, he's the guy, you know? We love that. We love that guy. Three out of four from Roger Ebert. Yeah. I enjoyed the movie simply for the way it looked and felt. Production designers Dante Ferretti and Thomas Sanders have outdone themselves. The cinematographer Michael Ballhouse gets into the spirit so completely he always seems to light with shadows. Ebert did note, however, or rather, he did voice criticisms over the film's narrative confusions and dead ends. That feels... I, I'm pretty much on board with that. Yeah, I'd say Roger got it. Yeah, I, I would say, I mean, I, I think it, you'd be hard-pressed to find someone that doesn't feel that way, and it just it's just that that feeling might add up to more or less than a three out of four. You know, I think it's just like, what what's your taste in... Yeah, you could say that and give the movie like a one. Yes. You could be like, it's beautiful, but it's overwrought, and I didn't understand it. And then you're just like, okay, then you wouldn't enjoy it. No, it but you could also you could also say the script is garbage, but it's so beautiful. I'm giving it a five out of five. Like you can the, just do that. The film is like it's honestly not my not like my cup of tea. Not my favorite Dracula adaptation by a long shot. Watch Nosferatu by Herzog if you want to see like a really. Yeah, does anybody say Dracul? No, unfortunately not. It's all in, it's German. You've got Kinski and Bruno Gantz, but um, it's uh, it's it's different. But I mean this film is still going to get like a passing grade for me because it has like enough redeeming qualities. So it's just like, I'm just like, it didn't, didn't knock it out of the park. It's weird. I, this is not how I thought this conversation was going to go. Me either. (laughs) You know what? I I expected to be the lowest on this. I thought Mitch and Corey were going to be all the way in. And I thought my, I thought I was all the way in, but now we're talking about it. And I guess I'm not. (laughs) Yeah, and I I thought I was gonna be um, uh, the dude who the the performances and like the melodrama of it sort of took away enough that I'm not all the way in. But it sounds like we're all kind of on this in the same. We're in the same boat, but we're doing very range. different things. <laughs> yeah, we're eating the same pancakes out of different <laughs> people's hands. Oh God. 
<laughs> yeah, like Mitch has eaten it out of Keanu's hands, and no, those I'm hands not. are wooden I'm and not. hollow, and we don't want those. We don't want those. Bits. I, I <laughs> we don't want those hands. I'm, I'm eating it out of Tom Waits' dirty hands. <laughs> Tom Waits, the best in the movie, by the oh, way. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I love the way that his character is filmed with a great sense of depth and largely from like high angles. I think. I think. I think. Tom Waits' performance is is worth the price of admission. I feel like if like that's like one of the reasons you should see this movie. Um, Look up the Tom Waits cut on YouTube where somebody cuts to just all the Renfield scenes. Um, watch it come from my YouTube channel. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know what I like about this movie is is something I've said uh, a bunch of times before on this podcast. Is it feels like a movie that was made by a director that didn't know he was going to make another movie, and so he just put everything he could into it this movie is like so jam-packed of so many different uh techniques to achieve an effect so many different uh kinds of pancakes (laughs) like (laughs) cinematography styles locations uh action sexy stuff dialogue stuff there's so much going on in this movie um that like this movie might hate sex actually (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah I mean, Does, is there any sex in this movie that like goes well for anybody no no not not one instance of it and all the women seemingly are only existing to be like seduced or killed pretty much yeah the, i mean that's which is not great not good at all yeah there's and that's sort of the unfortunate trappings of like vampire films but i mean at the same time like yeah, no, this movie really isn't isn't doing a whole lot for its female characters, and they're all very underwritten. Yeah, like, um, I like Winona Ryder, just generally speaking, because I think everybody does. But, like, w- her purpose is to, literally her entire purpose is to exist, to be seduced by Dracula. Yeah, and Liam, Liam was talking about all the ingredients that go into the pancakes, right? Or the, the toppings, right? So you're, you're at an IHOP, right? And you got your sprinkles and then it's like, oh, do I want to put fudge on it or do I want to, I'll put both. And so I can just see Francis building this pile of pancakes. Like we're going to have fudge. We're going to have, um, we're going to have whipped cream. I'm going to get a side of bacon and eggs. It's going to be the biggest, most decadent pancake you've ever seen. And uh, like I had a few bites and was like, yeah, this is like, really good but there's no way i'm eating the whole thing francis and yeah uh, that's that's uh, that's how it is that's, yeah it it, uh, it depends on how indulgent you're feeling and also the fact remains that it is not nutritionally sound at all <laughs> this is no 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 this is in the spirit of uh, valentine's day which we just passed this is a very romantic film to watch i guess if you love seduction and vampires um this is all candy this is the cinematic equivalent of like, I bought the bag of M and M's that you're supposed to share with people, and I'm eating it by myself. Yeah, and my- and also I put it all on top of a cheesecake that I'm also eating by myself. And, and you know, much- and I'm inside of an IHOP. <laughs> much like that concoction, I feel like it would go down much better if you were high. And I think the same thing for <laughs> this film. <laughs> but, but yeah, quick, we're gonna stop the recording. Somebody get high. We'll come back in two hours. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I was thinking while watching this that this feels like a cult movie, like a huge, yeah. big-budget cult movie, and I was thinking, man, it would be so fun to watch this on a big screen, you know, either when it came out or at an independent, like, uh, repertory screening this just is a with Mayfair a bunch of people. as hell. Yeah, that, that would be so fun, I think. 
I this does feel like a movie that plays well to a crowd, and I kind of like yeah. that there is a sequence where they're watching a cinematograph because it's like, yeah, this is that. This is like you want to get a big group of people. And you want to be wowed by the wonders of cinema? Watch Bram Stoker's Dracula. Yeah, I have a real soft spot for when any kind of director goes back to like you know the olden days of movies, and it's kind of like he's like Francis, kind of like amongst all the other things he throws in, like some sort of love letter to absinthe as well. He also throws in like a love letter to movies, and I love when directors kind of do that when they when they. <laughs> there go- is an entire montage sequence about absinthe. About absinthe of all things. It's like what? <laughs> like, look at this exotic li- liquor that was outlawed in the U.S. for almost a hundred years. It's How green. It's green, and all <laughs> the other romantic artists drank it, and the copper sulfate made them see things, and the church didn't like, uh, you know. Um, but <laughs> And we're in this room that's entirely filled with candles. Yeah, so I mean... Two thousand candles! Yeah, like uh, this movie is a would be great with a crowd. Like if you were if you had like a bunch of people, but yeah. But I, I like to, to double back what I was saying. I love when directors kind of uh, like go back to the dawn of cinema and kind of like play with like the the early forms of the medium. Like I think Scorsese does it really well in Hugo. Uh, this doesn't really compare, but I think it. I think it's it's got like a similar kind of energy and it, it has that cinematograph look and. And it's such, it's just such a marvel, though, like, some of the effects they achieve. Like, when Keanu is taking the train to Budapest, which he does not know how to say. No. Even a little bit. <laughs> but it is writing that letter. So he's on the train, and the sky is, like, red, and the letter is, like, superimposed in the sky, and, like, the train is chugging along. Well, the idea that tell. that is entirely in camera is fucking crazy or all the guys impaled on the pikes and like the miniatures and the yeah fog and all. or that whole like silhouetted fighting the war sequence yeah like, like it's, fuck it, man it's really um you don't see that kind of filmmaking anymore and even just like the very beginning when uh dracula it's so can i just can we just touch on the fact how funny it is that like it's just saying the name dracula like just how inherently hilarious that is dracula Anyway, um, that whole opening sort of sequence where they're in this chapel that's like bathed in golden light, and he's in this red armored suit that looks like musculature for some reason. It looks, that, like, the red, of, it looks like the red blood cells that they cut to that were atrocious later in the film. Anyway, yeah, um. and um, <laughs> you know, but in a contrast with like his weird paleness and just everything's like stone and like it's just huge and operatic, and he's tearing everything to shit, and everything starts to cry blood like The Exorcist. And like it's just fucking crazy but like visually it's so instantly compelling mm-hmm. and the whole movie just has random sequences where like there's that point where i think it's after winona Ryder rejects dracula because she's gonna go get married um and he's in a room that is literally it's entirely black and it's nothing but candles and he starts like spinning around and all the candles go out like that just looks fucking cool as shit um I don't care if it's really got like a purpose just because I like it. It's the same thing like when Dracula does that thing where like picks up his big cape and he like vanishes and he appears in another spot in the room and I'm just like, yes. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> oh yeah, like it's it's got like it's got good camp fun. Like I feel like that's one thing it had in common with Dr. Moreau. The the camp the camp fun. This and the, the string that we are on right now, Liam, of 
random generator picked movies. And Mitch, I think you know this too, but doing House on Haunted Hill, then Island of Dr. Moreau, then this is the weirdly, most weirdly consistent trio of movies we possibly yeah, could have ended we, up we with. couldn't have picked it that good um no we, there's a we lot would, of pressure for the end of the episode that way we would not have picked it that way because we would have been like well these are all on paper too similar and yeah. now we're here and it's just it's weird because um because this is like the early 90s um dracula francis ford coppola's bram stoker's dracula that is um isn't necessarily like cashing in on that trend because it might have started it of like redoing these kinds of stories because like mary shelley's frankenstein came out like what two years after this i think and then oh, you're getting yeah, yeah. Like, with, like with island of dr moreau with, with and yeah, yeah like all of these like it almost started a wave of i might be totally wrong i'm not like a scholar of early to mid 90s like legacy literature cinematic redos but like what a note to start that trend on if that is what happened if that was like everybody was like now we all need to do somebody buy me the rights to frankenstein and everybody's flirting with that idea today i mean they thought that the mummy would start like a universal horror reboot but it you know didn't go through because that movie that was their uh hubris for thinking they could top brendan fraser with they which they can't <laughs> yeah flew too close to the uh to the sun <laughs> yeah well i think this movie in a lot of ways flies too close to the sun but in a way i i commend yeah and it's kind of in the same way that you like i don't know the same way that you salute like uh, a test pilot that's like doing something so dangerous that they're probably gonna, gonna this end is the horribly. suicide mission of yeah, cinema this is the, it's yeah. crumbling under its own weight yeah this is like the cosmonaut barreling towards her <laughs> you gotta admire him but it's like <laughs> what are you doing <laughs> at what cost <laughs> yeah. I, I i feel like this movie upon a rewatch is only going to get better for me because um I'd say either um, I'm going to end up really coming to care for uh, Winona Keanu's characters, uh, Gary Gary Oldman's character. Like I'm gonna I'm gonna become familiar with them the same way when you start watching a TV show. All the characters and sometimes the actors are new to you. You don't quite you're you're not familiar with their faces, their mannerisms, what they how they talk, and um, their sort of personalities. But then you get further along in the show, you get more comfortable with them, you get more attached to them, and then you go back and watch the first few episodes again, and you're like, oh, I get it now. Now that I understand these people, I'm able to sink my teeth into this and i and i like it way more and that sort of thing has happened to me with movies before where a movie will go from uh just being like a uh, a fun movie that i have problems with but i know i like stuff about it this happened to me with sleepaway camp and i'm like okay i like i like stuff about that um uh, but there's also stuff I don't really dig, but I end up rewatching it, and the stuff I like um, is still there. Sometimes gets better, and then the stuff that I didn't care for will either increase in my estimation because I just grow such a fondness for it, or um, uh, the things that I like in the movie, I'll end up liking them so much that the things that I don't like, I'm able to just sort of push to the side, and they don't cripple the movie for me and so regardless of how the rewatches go i think this movie is just gonna get better because i'm either gonna really like 
um, the scenes that are, I think, supposed to feel serious are supposed to feel emotionally um investing i didn't quite get that from this time but i think i'll either feel that way or because there's so much other stuff going on that stuff is going to excite me so much that it'll uh that i'll just breeze through the other parts that i don't like quite as much to get to the really good stuff so uh i'm i'm excited to see this one again even though right now i would i would put it at like a like a seven to a eight out of 10 is where I'd be at. But I think it, it's, it, I don't think it's going to go down. I think it'll either stay there or it'll go up for me. Before anybody else says anything, I just need to say uh sleep away vamp. Okay. Thank you. Oh, Corey, we need to remake it. <laughs> Sequel. <laughs> reboot. The big reveal at the end is that Angela is a vampire. That would be sick. <laughs> that would be kind of sick. It would be it would certainly be more less like weird to me. Yeah. Yeah, much like this movie, Corey, uh, you know, it's not really sinking its fangs into me. That's all I gotta say. <laughs> um Yeah, is this like is this what happens when a movie is so excessive and opulent and just like wacky, beautiful, weird, badly acted that you think you're gonna talk about it for like three hours? And then realize that your conversation, much like the movie, will crumble crumble under the weight of its own ambition. Is this what's happening? <laughs> Maybe. I mean, I because I, I don't know what else to say. I have no fucking idea. Like, it's beautiful and it's weird, and the acting's not great. But I love how everything looks, and the effects are fucking crazy. But I don't know if it's good. But I like it a lot. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I don't like. <laughs> I would. <laughs> I don't know what's up with my sound effects today. I would probably give this. Film, I would probably get. Yeah, I'm like a soundboard today. I would probably give this film like maybe a six and a half or a seven. Um, and but the only things that I really like about it is like it's it's um it's like dedication to like classic storytelling. Like it's got like that D.W. Griffith like like pigeonhole like edit sort of thing i don't know what the hell you call it it's like when that there's a sequence where instead of fading to black it does like an iris yeah that's the fade, word which is, yeah the iris yeah <laughs> um yeah i don't know why i talked about griffith there <laughs> fuck that guy but yeah um, let it be known that we hate dw yeah um but yeah so there's like a lot of shit that i that i just didn't didn't really like like and there was a lot that I would have cut out, honestly. Like, this movie felt way too long. And some of the scenes just, like, didn't work. The acting didn't work. Like, unclean, unclean, unclean. Like, I, ugh. I don't even uh, remember that scene. How could you? Oh, uh, well. Did I block that one out? Lucky you. Um, yeah, not my. No. How do we feel about Keanu Reeves getting thrust into a terrible sex pit? Oh, big knock knock vibes from there. So I <laughs> I liked that one. <laughs> um, somebody help Keanu Reeves stop getting trapped in terrible sex pits. It also felt a lot like Veronica, which I've talked about on this podcast that is not before. A compliment. Which that is, is not, not a compliment it's, at all. It's, it's not a compliment, but I really liked watching Veronica for sim- uh. <laughs> similar reasons to this one. It's just so <laughs> ambitious. No, <laughs> Glenn Danzig's Glenn Danzig's Stoker's Dracula. The eroticism in this movie was a lot like a really bad all-you-can-eat buffet. It's like all the food you could want to eat, but you don't, yeah. you don't want the, any of it. Like All oh, the pancakes. <laughs> 
it's about pancakes. All the sex, all the sex, like imaginable, but like you don't want to, you don't want to see any of it because it's all terrible. Um, yeah. It's a and the buffet is nothing but pancakes. And then everybody dies at the end. Everybody dies from too many pancakes. In, in classic, uh, I hope fashion. Shitty, everyone dies. Classic shitty uh, adventure movie <laughs> fashion. Everybody dies. Like honestly, like my final notes were just like lots of irritating shit. Irritating. Really? I am irritated. Um, my note. My final note was. Yeah, this is beautiful and poetic and silly and melodramatic and kind of stupid and bad and overwrought and maybe too complex. And I had the time of my life. Sometimes it's that simple. Damn, that's going to be Corey's final note in life. You're going to write that on your <laughs> deathbed <laughs> 70 epitaph. years from now. A real epitaph. Um, the end of this movie is basically the end of Blade Runner 2049 where somebody dies on some snowy stairs. <laughs> Yeah, uh, <laughs> my other, I'm sorry, I found another, says, bro, is Dracula gonna pull a face turn? <laughs> <laughs> and he does! He does, yeah. That's, that, I guess that's sort of the story. We're the real monsters for thinking he sucks. Do you guys remember how terrible that one, like, map sequence was in this movie, where it's like, it almost looks like, I don't know, like, you're watching them, like, draw on, like, a camera during, like, a football game, and it's like, here's a map of, like, Western Europe. Oh my god, it was so, that Indiana Jones-ass map was really funny. No, I wouldn't yeah. even say it was Indiana Jones, because it wasn't moving, and it didn't have, like, the same. But it had that so. funny line, and it got Keanu to say, beauty piest again. Beauty of piest? <laughs> yeah. Hello, it's it's me and I am in Beauty Piest. I wonder how like the production was with this movie. Like I wonder how Keanu got along because it seems like he just doesn't give a shit. Like I, I wonder if he's like phoning it in. I wonder how he and Francis got along. I wonder if he. I couldn't imagine getting hired by Francis Ford Coppola and deciding to phone it in. Well, I read a quote from him that said he was trying to give it his all, but at the time he was coming off of. I guess speed, Bill and Ted two, um, just uh, like uh, year years of working nonstop, and he said that he just had nothing left to give, and so uh, he thinks that's what came across there was just he just didn't have it. She does seem she ran out of gas. She's a bit exhausted, yeah, yeah. Um, and I think oh yeah, I think Francis Ford uh, Coppola just hired him because um this is what I, I read because he needed someone that the women uh you know like young women would flock to to see this movie they just needed a hot male lead yeah. that was your guy but i don't i don't think he hired him yeah for anthony acting. hopkins yeah <laughs> gary, gary oldman that's straight what... up long-haired gary oldman with those fucking blue ass glasses that guy fucks like that guy's hot <laughs> that'll get women in seats and men as well anybody it's got, everybody it's got prince charming from the princess bride what more do you need you've got a man from texas all right played so by the rocketeer we've we've got into the weeds we know how we all feel so maybe we should go into the the uh micro look real quick once again <laughs> and and say how do you guys feel about like the, the gary oldman dracula look we danced around it. Look. Yeah. Oh yeah, um, we, we did. Old, kinda... old Dracula just kind of weirds me out. Um, I don't know why he looks like that. Uh, one yeah, of, I was just a weird, penny, weird, weird old man. Two uh, a penny, uh, hot cross buns. <laughs> and then young Dracula. Like I said, what I said. Young Dracula fucks. 
He fucks. Okay. So what does old Dracula, if you were to sum it up? He sucks. He sucks and young Dracula fucks. Uh, Interpret that however you want. I don't know. I, I can't believe my name g- is attached to this. <laughs> <laughs> he looks kind of goofy. I don't know. Old Dracula. Young Dracula kind of looks like a guy who would trick you into going to a carnival, but I'm fine with it. No, young Dracula, young Dracula looks like he should have been the villain of that season we watched of Are You Afraid of the Dark? I think Doesn't lot, he? Yeah. I think there's a lot to love about, about Gary Oldman's performance here. Um, like pedaling backwards to like I guess the tradition of, of playing Dracula and what that has kind of meant and the kind of acting pedigree that role has brought I've, and also like special effects I feel like you have like this long tradition of a very sort of grotesque makeup I think dating back to like Murnau's adaptation from the 20s of German expressionism and you've got you've got all these adaptations and all these different ideas about about what Dracula ought to look like and how this character ought to be embodied is he a handsome uh, Eastern European count like Bela Lugosi is he is he a bit more threatening like Christopher Lee is he like Kinski or like like Murnau like there's all these different interpretations of the role and I think that this is just another I think sort of bombastic iteration of that tradition um and it does sort of have that sort of grotesque physicality that I associate with like Kinski it's he's got like this the horrifying hands especially um I would not want to eat a single pancake out of those hands. No, no, but he is not—he is not threatening. I think, uh, like so, I think, some of the other iterations, or I think Kinski, for example, in in, uh, in Herzog's version, genuinely makes me really uncomfortable. Like I honestly, like that shit's like nightmare. Yeah. Whereas this Dracula is just sort of tragic. Yeah, like he's tragic, and like I, I he is more sympathetic than I think it, he is in the book, and I think he's more sympathetic. Uh, than he is in a lot of different iterations, so I don't know. I don't think I don't think uh, I liked I liked Oldman's performance. I think it's he. I think it's obviously he's having a lot of fun with it, and I, oh, yeah. I like the way that it looks. But I I also like I'm not completely sold on it because it's yeah, not, he's not threatening, fair. but um, he's just kind of weird. But I need I need that senior citizen to scare me. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I. I feel like his performance isn't uh, matching his look. I think um, he's he's doing something that it isn't weird enough. Whereas the look is so weird, I, like it feels to me like they were maybe just in terms of design, setting the acting aside, they were trying to like do the Heath Ledger Joker thing, redefine this character. And it feels like more like a Jared Leto Joker to me in terms of look, at least where it's just Well, we like... do live in a society. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, I'm talking OG Jared Leto Joker, Suicide Squad Jared Leto Joker. Um, <laughs> It just like, it's just not appealing to me. Like, obviously he's not meant to look like he fucks, um, but he, which he does <laughs> oh he does <laughs> <laughs> um but it just like it doesn't feel uh it 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 it, it just feels so sad but i don't feel like the performance is sad enough for me um yeah 
It's oh man, it's it's tough. It's a it's a big choice. Uh, Dracula uh, needs to stop fucking and make me cry. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Uh, you know, maybe maybe Heath Ledger's Joker took some people a couple, uh, maybe a watch or two to come around on. So maybe I'm just not there yet. It's definitely a big swing. And right now, I felt like it was a miss. Like I didn't I didn't feel captivated whenever Dracula was on screen. Um, but I did feel captivated like whenever Anthony Hopkins was on screen somehow. Like I just felt like the performance came through there. Whereas I feel like I feel like anyone could have played Dracula with that makeup on. Um the same way anyone could have played Jared Leto's Joker with that that look on. But I don't feel like anyone could have played Heath Ledger's Joker. Uh with that makeup on and so that's true i I think i think gary oldman is really i think it's really one of his more colorful performances i think it's uh he's having a ball yeah i don't know if i don't know if anyone could have done it but i think he's i think he's i think he's pretty good but i also think he's not he's not completely there i agree with you honestly i don't know if i have too much else to say i feel like the ensemble cast in this film is also kind of disappointing. I feel like after you kind of introduce these supporting characters, they don't really do much except for like hold a torch and a saber and look out for <laughs> vampires. Shoot a gun. Yeah, yeah. I, I die. die. And so I, I just figured that was like a extension or um, a, a trait of the story or like of gothic fiction in general. It 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 just. A lot of the shortcomings just in the narrative, um, I assumed that's just like the story and that's just uh, like the way characters are talking, the way that it's all so overwrought with emotion, but also the emotion isn't isn't um conveyed to the audience besides the 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 notion that we know there's emotion going on but we're not sure like exactly where it's coming from i just figured that was a a sign of the genre and i figured that a lot of my my uh failure to totally be into this movie is just my um my hesitance to totally accept gothic stories and and period pieces and stuff um because like i've like a slasher movie that throws everything at the wall like this you know something like cabin fever that's my shit because even the stuff i don't like it's like they're in a cabin in the woods and uh they're like college age kids bopping around and so i fill in those gaps and i i like i i like everything um enough it's just my scene whereas this um it it, there's a bit more growing pains where uh the when i'm not feeling the thrill from all the extravagance um i'm not super into it just because it's like winona Ryder uh saying that like she needs a man and she needs him now yeah, and like I really wanted to love this movie, like because I, I everybody who knows me and knows me well knows I love like a good extravagant period piece film. Like that's like one of my main things. Like I'm like if somebody is going to take on Dracula with this kind of cast and this kind of budget and this sort of a, like a crew and and a you'd be pissed guy, if they didn't do this. I would be pissed if they yeah I would be pissed if they if they didn't do this. But I was kind of expecting I was expecting more from it. Um, I was expecting more from Francis to sort of have better dedication to the characters. And I, I was expecting more 
um, on all fronts. And that's not to say that Dracula is like this, you know, like a, a great, like a great uh, tome that's like, you know, this great like emotional story where you really care about everybody. But it, but I feel like there's enough with the core material that you could have done uh, something better and sort of conveyed these these characters and their motivations along better. But in the end, when everybody's just sort of dying and at, at dawn, I'm just like, you know, I really don't, uh, I don't vibe with this. Like, I, I just, I don't like it. I was disappointed. Yeah, I, uh, I don't know. I, I love it, but I don't know if it's good. <laughs> um, but I do. I love what it's doing yeah. in like in a in concept. About the best I can do, unfortunately. I would love it more right now if I didn't feel like it was trying to be a character piece. Um, if if it was, if 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 I had felt like it was the intent was just we're going to get all these sick sets and effects going on and the characters are just there to move that story along i would like it more but i think um this also feels like it's supposed to be a character driven piece to me um and i didn't feel that those characters pulled it off uh so so my my big my big um problem with the movie is the characters, the performances, uh, generally. I mean, there there are also good performances in here, but uh, some of the performances and um, like just the writing, like dialogue and uh, um, just the scripting too. Like in terms of story, it 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 feels very vignette-y. Um, it was it was like I lost track of characters sometimes. I forgot that. Uh, john was still at the castle and then we got back to him and i was like oh shit i felt like i was watching a different movie when and now he's now he's back again and so um uh it just it 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 felt like um the story was still like peeking through all the extravagance and so when, when i got those hints of the story again i felt like oh man this feels this story actually feels out of place as opposed to the story being weaved into the extravagance a bit more uh seamlessly you know if the if the pancakes are the is the story and then the toppings is everything else um i feel like maybe the toppings were uh were the kind that don't complement flour and eggs and shit even though they're good happens when you cover a pancake in gold yeah (laughs) too much hot sauce on this pancake I put that shit on everything except for my pancakes. <sighs> I don't know. That's it. Uh, question. Do you boys want to find out what pancake we'll be eating next? Oh, spin the pancake wheel, brother. <laughs> Look at this spin William Castle's pancake wheel. <laughs> Liam, how many things are on the list now? Corey, we uh-huh. got uh, 265. Okay, so not that many more. We're managing ourselves. A where bit. where were we last week? Two sixty one, I believe. Oh, okay, okay. Um, okay, so as everyone knows at this point, this is the William Castle Film Genero, brought to you by Gimmicky Film King William Castle. This is our gimmick; it's what we do here. Uh, we are going to determine what movie we're going to watch next week from our expansive list of two hundred and sixty five films by hitting a random number generator from Google and seeing what we get. Mitch. 
is open to decide whatever he wants if he wants to keep doing this show or not. <laughs> and we'll see what happens. We'll spin the wheel and then we'll talk. Okay, so is everybody ready? Ready. Three, two, one. Spin the pancake wheel. Oh my god. 263. So it's something you like would have had to put on there like yesterday. <laughs> Dang, Corey. Alright. Uh so what's on either side of it, first of all? Sure. Uh above it we have Adam's Family 2019. That, Is it the know, animated thing? That's right, the animated okay. thing. Yeah. Uh, 264, we have a movie called Beyond Skyline. Oh, I know. I follow the producer of that movie on Twitter. There you go. I know what that is. And uh, in the middle, our movie that we're doing next week is oh, Insidious Chapter 3. Okay. Huh. Yeah, that's my response. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, directed, huh. directed by uh, Lee Winnell, the director of the recent oh, okay. Invisible I'm back. Man. I'm back. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, and written the... by him as well. So written is... and directed by Invisible Man. Man. Is this the uh, the film series that does the first one have Ethan Hawke in it? Yeah. No, no, no. That's Sinister. Oh. Ah, oh, fuck. Oh, yeah, you're totally right. <laughs> it's a, it's What's the first one? Another threatening adjective. <laughs> first one has um Patrick uh Oh, the 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 conjuring guy. That's right. Yep. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> no, we don't even need to know his last name. Yeah. Patrick the conjuring guy. <laughs> and I tell you what, this I I considered getting even more. They made another one with this one because uh there was an insidious chapter 4 that came out in 2018 that wasn't even called chapter four because it was such a sequel and they just called it insidious the last key they did away with the chapters okay. do we want to call it audible and do that one or do we want to stick with what we had on the list now let's stick with what we had i, I chose what i did for a reason <laughs> okay so something tells me mitch is not interested honestly gonna take a shot in the dark um i think i'm actually in but i maybe <laughs> maybe don't quote me on air in case i get cold feet and then uh, stand you guys up next week but uh, i think i'm in i think i think i could do this <laughs> this is the here's the thing because lee winnell is someone on this show that we admire quite a bit he made one of our favorite movies of last year I love um, Invisible Man too. I thought that, that was that was a wonderful movie so this is not even us making you watch trash yet no likely likely uh, not. yeah we'll have to wait and see but okay um, that's, that's a strong maybe no i would i would honestly give you guys like there's like a like a 75 percent chance i'm in okay well there we go 75 percent chance you see her from mitch next week we'll have to see what happens um mitch if i remember correctly you don't have any plugs so can i just get one more i am dracul for the road we'll get, get it nice and clean everybody nobody say anything i am dracul Beautiful. Thank you so much. All right. I'm leaving now. Goodbye, fellas. <laughs> yeah, this is standard, standard protocol. Bye, Mitch. Wow. Did he fall down the stairs when he left? I think he was sliding down a fire pole. Out of there. <laughs> he lives in the Ghostbusters house. Um, and so, Liam, I guess I'll do this this way again. Um, do you have anything you want to plug? Well, you guys can uh, find my film writing alter ego, Graham the Haunted Marshmallow, on Twitter and Letterboxd. My username is Graham the Mallow. Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Letterboxd at Mr. Corey Price. And um, me and our friend uh, Final Neil, who do another podcast called MK PodQuest, 
uh, where we are rewatching Mortal Kombat Conquest. We are coming to the end of that show. Uh, there's a couple episodes left of that, and then we'll be moving on to some other stuff that I'll reveal later. Thank you all once again for listening to this podcast, this episode of They Made Another One. You can find us all over the internet on Twitter at They Made Another, on Letterboxd at TMAO. Episodes are on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Breaker, some stuff I probably ain't even heard of. It's crazy. You can watch podcasts anywhere you want. Uh, all sorts of places as they made another one. You can reach us via email at tmaopodcast at gmail.com with recommendations for future episodes, questions, comments, and what director's hands you want to eat a stack of pancakes out of. Our fantastic thumbnail art is done by Jade Dickinson. You can find on Instagram at Jade Sketches. I don't know how to make our soundboard work using this service that we're currently using. Jason DeLine did it for us, though. Instagram DeLine Man. I'll fix it someday. I don't know. Uh, with that out of the way, we'll catch you here next week. Maybe all three of us. We don't know. Uh, for another episode of They Made Another One. <laughs>